Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Today's guest on the What Fuels You podcast is Kurt DeBeek. Kurt is the CEO and CTO of SyncFloor, a B2B platform providing licensed access to high quality commercial music for use by businesses and creators. Built around the concept of natural language music search, SyncFloor has created an intuitive and innovative engine for music discovery and the patented SyncFloor platform connects customer websites, services, and applications to music from the world's best labels and publishers. The company is also the maker of Songs for Podcasters, a modern podcast-specific music licensing experience made for consumers, small businesses, and creative professionals. A 20-year Microsoft veteran with experience as an engineer, architect, technology strategist, and general manager, Kurt has worked on mobile productivity, real-time communications, multimedia systems, distributed security, and operating systems. He is an accomplished inventor with 38 technology patents, as well as the owner and founder of Brick Lane Records, a Seattle independent music label. Welcome, Kurt. Thank you, Shauna. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, of course. Thank you for joining. Okay, we're going to start with um, some rapid fire. You ready? Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. I was going to say, what's your favorite music? And, And then I realized if somebody asked me that, I would literally have to say, depends on my mood. Am I going out? Am I chilling? Am I driving? So I just said, what's your favorite type of music to chill out to? Oh, it's chill out to you. Uh, even that is actually kind of a hard one. But, uh, well, you but can I'll, say your favorite overall. I'll give you a couple of different dimensions on it. So um, I know if we're kind of chilling out, cooking in the kitchen and watching my now 16 month old, like spin around and dance to something, then it'd be it's music from from my country, Trinidad. Um, uh, my favorite Calypsonian is a guy named David Rudder. Um, and so so I love love putting that on and he enjoys it. And it's a nice kind of thing to, you know, sort of cook and, and spend a nice weekend day family time with. Um, uh, if I'm in a different kind of chili mood and I want something that's like got texture and interest and and but like sort of still allows other kind of things to happen in my mind i i love listening to things like the national like nationals a band i love uh, i love to listen to a lot so tell me is what's your favorite place or what you would most recommend as a place to visit in the caribbean Oh, well, Trinidad, of I know course. you're going to say Trinidad. <laughs> no, St. Lucia. St. Lucia is also really beautiful. Um, uh, St. Vincent, where my dad is from, is beautiful, although they, they had Soufri erupt relatively recently. Um, again, um, there's a volcano. volcano. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, Trinidad, Trinidad's an amazing place. You know, the... the the thing is, Trinidad has this incredible mix of of people and cultures based on its history. So, um, you know, it you know, of course, it was you know sort of rediscovered by the Spaniards um, mm. and had an indigenous people there, and then you know, sort of the Spaniards, based on the slave trade, you know, sort of brought people of African descent there. Um, uh, at some point, 
it treated hands to the English and um, and with the sort of abolition of slavery, um, there, there was this sort of influx of indentured laborers from India and China as well. Um, and so Tr Trinidad kind of has this thing where it's got, you know, sort of people of African descent, uh, Indian descent, uh, Chinese descent, uh, Syrian um, you know, oh, it, it's just, it's, it's just a whole, whole mix, right? And then it's seven miles off the coast of Venezuela. Um, and it has, of course, this sort of Creole influence um, as well. And so you find this, like, it's such an interesting place to be, certainly an interesting place to grow up. But I think it's sort of an, it, it, for somebody who visits, like, they probably will go there and go, oh, this isn't even what I expected when I thought Caribbean Island. And then you throw in um, you know, carnival. So Trinidad's carnival is, you know, the second largest one, you know, right after Rio, essentially, right? And and so you have this huge thing that happens there as well. And so, and then of course, Trinidad's the, you know, land of the steel band, home of Calypso. Um, you know, that, you know, it's the... It's, I'm, you're getting me excited to go. We have to help yeah, you yeah, plan a trip. This is like... Yeah it's, a, yeah, it's a great place. I know. I It's always been on my list, for sure. Um, so... Is there a food that you can't live without? It doesn't have to be Trinidadian or Creole. It could any, any kind of food. Any kind of food. Um, well, my dad calls me a meat mouth. So, so I definitely eat a lot of meat, but maybe much to the chagrin of, of my wife, she probably thinks I should eat less uh, meat. But um, uh, in terms of something that's like very, you know, Trinidadian that I cook, and I, I you know, you, when you say can't live without, you know, it's one of those things where and there are a lot of food. I love food. I love cooking food. I love, you know, that kind of thing. My dad um, is somebody I learned to cook from, and and he gave me a a cookbook I still have where the inscription on it is. Uh, for the continuation of the proud tradition of male cooks of the Debi clan, oh. and so so it's a, so so you can see that's a really important thing, you know, sort of to us. And um, but one of the things, and actually the main thing I tend to I learned to cook out of that, well, really from my dad, and and but also out of that book, um, is this dish called pilau, which is a, a Trinidadian dish, and it's the thing that I'll you know sort of always go back to. It's a very comfort wow. food type thing. It's a one pot rice. It's almost like a a meat. Like a based stew? kind of paella-ish oh. kind of dish. But it's not, you know, paella is very seafood based, but this is kind of meat based and it's got coconut milk in it. I would love that. It's got that. all sorts of, it's very, it's, and it's the kind of thing that in Trinidad you take to the beach or you take to the cricket match or you take the, you know what I mean? It's it's very easy to transport. It's easy to eat. You have it with coleslaw. You're making me hungry. That sounds so good. <laughs> so good. Excellent. Um, so is there some sort of superpower that you wish you had? If you were to talk to me in my younger years, I think flying is the thing that everybody's just like, oh man, I'd love to be able to fly. Isn't that really interesting? Um, but, you know, I think, you know, like Magneto, I think that's an, an interesting an interesting one. Like, you know, sort of power to control electromagnetism. I feel like that's like something that you could then translate into lots of different things. Uh, yeah, it sounds, so, sounds exciting and scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Magneto is also exciting as yes. I suppose. But so, so yeah, so so yeah, so maybe something like that. Um, and yeah. is there are, are you doing a lot of reading these days? And if so, what is a book that you would recommend? So so my niece, right, who reads a ton as well. I love to read. So so I, I you know in some ways, I, I'm having that same kind of music problem. Where I'm like, oh, I could talk about so many right. different things. I want to read but the book that i'm supposed to read because my niece is waiting for me to read it so we can have a conversation about it is anne of green gables <laughs> and ah. I, 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 I was supposed so I, I have that on my list somewhere do you read um, business books um at times although these days i feel like i get a lot of 
insight on like just reading uh, sort of posts from lo- and blogs and articles from people. I typically tend to get that first um, thing of it from Twitter. And then oh. I go follow, you know, I go, oh, okay, this person's saying some interesting stuff. And then you go, you know, read their blog or their, their or listen to their podcast or whatever it is. But I feel like, you know, there's, you know, an interesting thing that's happening out there um, is that, you know, we're, we're sitting on top, you know, we're sitting on the shoulders of giants, right? You know, so they're, you know, in some ways, you know, humanity, right, gets the benefit of all this stuff that's happened. But now, uh, you know, we get access to that, right? Like we get easy access to all of that knowledge, right? And so, you know, sort of finding those places where you can kind of touch on the, the pulse of the knowledge that's being evolved and created and remixed and so on is actually really, really interesting. And so I find that works almost best for me for for business. Of course, there are the things like, you know, like reading some of the classics, whether it's like, you know, good to great or things yeah. like that. That's interesting too, right? But yeah, but totally. like it's just like there's there's a way now to sort of stay really current with the state of the art of thinking yes. of that type of thing. And so 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 that's what you know I particularly like to do. So is there a person that you can think of that you would choose to grab lunch with, like anyone in the world? And if so, who would that be? So do you remember, um, I think it was a Parts Unknown episode where mm, yeah. uh, Anthony Bourdain sat with Obama. It was in Vietnam. And so, yeah, so, so Obama is the person. So there, there, there are two answers to this. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that's sort of the expansive answer is, is Obama. And, I, and that's what made me think of this episode where oh, Bourdain sat with Obama and had, Obama, had, that a, would be amazing. had, a, had a, a really fun conversation over, you know, sort of noodles or something like that in, yeah in i think i Vietnam. actually did see this episode yeah. so 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 there's so that's one one and the other one actually honestly uh right now is my dad oh um because he in it, he's in trinidad i haven't seen him for a while um you know with the pandemic and all that kind of kind of stuff yeah um he hasn't gotten to meet his grandson oh. as yet. Um, yeah, and so great. maybe the three the three of us sitting and having some food my son loves oh. to eat He's a good. He's a debate. He's the third generation. That's great. So tell me, you talked about your dad a lot. So tell me about your childhood. We talked about growing up in Trinidad. Like, Mm. what was your life like as a child? Um, boy, it was really it was really fun. You know, I I um it was it was fun and it was also very um you know, my, my, my parents were both teachers. My dad ended up going into finance, but they were both teachers. And so, and, and there's, there's a sort of cultural thing in Trinidad where, you know, education and doing, you know, sort of well education is really highly valued. Um, and so, so, you know, I, I think for me, there was an environment and I think this worked well for my mind anyway, uh, where you were encouraged to, to read and learn and, and, you know, um, explore in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, my parents um, split when I was 10. And so, and I spent a lot of, and this, you know, it's informed, I think, you know, my relationship with my dad, especially I spent, um, I lived with my dad because he was where he worked was close to um, the school that I was going to. Mm. So, 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 you know, so I developed a really close relationship with my, with my dad, you know, he would, uh, you know, he would wake me up in the morning, put me in front of, table you know make tea put it in front of me like sorry sort of try to to get me to come out of the fog right you know make sure that i got ready for school and i need to take you know take me to school and you know just like and and that you know i think that there's a thing about uh 
even those rituals that are really grounding yeah you know um like i still like you know a very grounding calming thing for me is to have a cup of tea right and that comes from like just like growing up in that you know kind of way and like yeah. you know having tea reminds me of that process of you know getting up and getting into it and reminds me of you know family and my dad and you know that kind yeah. of thing that's you know great. um and so yeah so that's, but he sounds like he was a real inspiration for you were there others yeah. like teachers or because obviously yeah. I know that you graduated and went to college at 16 so I'm, I'm just wondering mm-hmm. how that happens because I have a 16 year old like, <laughs> maybe he's ready for college I don't really know Maybe, maybe. I, you know, I, I, I will say to that, that, you know, uh, I don't know that I was necessarily emotionally ready for college. Um, I, you know, I was, I was, you know, probably intellectually ready for it, but emotionally, I don't know. Um, the, uh, you know, I, a part of that, it is that like in Trinidad, the school systems are really good. And again, it's very, very optimized for this, like, you know, help people achieve academically. Um, uh, and parents and having two parents who were teachers, that that helps too, right? They cared a lot about that. Um, in fact, they cared so much about it that, you know, ultimately later on when when I graduated undergrad, I was on my way to Stanford uh, to do grad school uh, in computer science. And I um, uh, stopped off in at microsoft in uh, you didn't saw this so that was like for an internship right. though right <laughs> right for an internship exactly and um and i remember when i ended up deciding you know after a month they offered me a full-time job i decided to take the full-time job instead of going your to parents like are you crazy and they were, yeah, <laughs> just like i have like, to say have, when i read it i was like is he crazy, <laughs> crazy. Microsoft, well, they, they, <laughs> microsoft will be there well they you know they understood i well at the time which was 92 Right. You know, I mean, for somebody maybe here, they might have kind of said, OK, yeah, Microsoft and it's, you know, interesting. Or, but it certainly was not the scale that, of brand it is today yet. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, for them there, especially they were just like micro what? <laughs> you know, kind of, right. You know, it and like, it's also did they understand right? Stanford is not like. Oh, they didn't use Stanford. They, they understood, oh, yeah. understood Stanford. Right? Okay, so yeah, they were just like, Stanford like you're turning down some school. You're turning school, down right. yeah, 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 exactly. So they yeah. just still, they were just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Kind of yeah. thing. So you were, so, good, so, I'm yeah. guessing you were a good student all through growing up. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was a pretty good. There was, I think there was a, um, I think there was a year where I was a little less than a student that my, <laughs> dad, was, my dad was like really unhappy about, but, yeah. but for the most part, He's I was like, no tea, <laughs> no tea for you. No tea for me. So were you, what were you, what were you kind of dreaming about or were you ambitious to succeed? And if so, in what area, yeah. like academics you know, I, or sports? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, um, I, I got, bit by the bug as you know the sort of software bug fairly early my mom my mom had done um a systems analysis course at the university of the west indies which is you know sort of part of a system of uh universities in the caribbean um and uh she used to bring the punch cards home you know um and i would like mess them up (laughs) you know kind of thing um but uh you know really early on i kind of thought oh wow this is really cool and like it you know i i love solving puzzles and i love like you know software and programming became something that was like really a very natural fit for the way i thought and i i i realize now as i'm older i realize that like oh i'm a maker at heart i like making things right and software is this sort of really magical way of making things because you get very immediate feedback on the thing that you're making, you know, kind of thing. And so, and, and almost, there's almost infinite possibility mm-hmm. in terms of the scope of the thing that you can make. And so, so I got bit by that bug fairly early. And so I definitely was really into wanting to do that, 
that thing. And so, you know, I was like, you know, beeline, you know, I wanted to do computer science, computer engineering. Yeah. And so that's what I ended up doing for undergrad. It's what, you know, really attracted me actually about Microsoft when I you know, came in. I was just like, wow, there's just this whole world yeah. of building. And making I, I wish that I, I had that skill. It's such a powerful, like, it's not something nobody can take from you. It's just, you know, that's right. you that's have right. it or you don't. And so how did you choose to go to school in Miami? Actually, they came, they came to Trinidad and recruited recruited me like I so University of Miami was really interesting at the time is that they were they were I think you know this so this would have been in like sort of uh mid to late 80s you know they kind of said you know what um as as a as a as a college that has some resources University of Miami is, is fairly decently endowed um and uh you know as you know, is sitting in a place that's kind of on the border, right? You know, if you think about, you know, what funnels through Miami, mm-hmm. right? You know, the Caribbean, Latin America, you know, on and on, et cetera, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we, ha- we have um, a unique opportunity to go find some of the best talent coming from these other countries and bring them here. And that, you know, sort of expands our remit as a university, right? Um, and, and it's also, you know, Miami, if you're coming from, you know, South America, or you're coming from the Caribbean, it's not like a crazy place to land. You know what I mean? Like, you oh my gosh, yeah. You kind of get it. You can kind of get it right. in some sense. And so, so, so they actually were really aggressive about coming and trying to find great talent at, at schools and other places. And I remember the name of the guy, I think, is Mark, Mark Reed. I think it was the name of the guy I spoke to. Ultimately, I ended up getting a, a, a scholarship to, to go there. Yeah. And what did you um, end up studying? Computer engineering. And you, <laughs> computer you engineering. just knew you're like, I, I just knew, yeah, that was, I yeah, there was no, there's no question that that's the thing yeah. I was going to go do. Yeah. So you're, um, you're, so you're heading to Stanford potentially for your, you know, master's degree in, in I guess, computer, computer science. science. Yeah. And you have a little pit stop that lands you yeah. for 20 years at my, yeah. That right? <laughs> yeah. that's right. Yeah. I never, I never told you think of Seattle, big, big adjustment from Miami and Trinidad. It was, it was, and it wasn't like, so, so this is 20 years ago, just keep, you know, keep in mind, you know, so, so there was a thing about Seattle that I kind of found comforting. Um, I would tell my dad at once, once, and I don't know that this necessarily holds now, but I was like, it's kind of like a cold, wet Trinidad. <laughs> That doesn't sound good. <laughs> but, but, you know, but what, what I found was that, I, and I think this had a lot to do with where I landed and what I was doing, is I was like, look, I kind of found, I found, I found my people, like I found the stuff, you know, the thing I love doing, and a bunch of people that love doing the same thing, and I feel super, you know, pushed and, and you know, engaged yeah, and in, what, in what I was up to, and so I felt like the environment around me was very comforting in that sense, right? Like I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like I was in a strange place mm-hmm. in that sense. And it felt like a place that I could sort of grow into myself, right? Yeah. In that sense, right? So, And so um, so your overall experience with Microsoft obviously was a really, um, sounds like a very positive one. Oh yeah, it was what, very positive. What would you say if you were talking to your niece or to my child, yeah. or somebody who's thinking about going to Microsoft as far as like yeah. how to be successful there? Like what, well, what are the attributes yeah, of like a yeah, successful yeah. Microsoft person? Because I know some people, it's not for everyone. It's not, it's, it's not for everyone, but you know, I, I, and I don't even know that this is necessarily specifically a, a Microsoft thing. I think, you know, it, in let's, let's take, you know, sort of the, the software industry anyway. I, I, you know, I think as somebody who's doing product work or engineering work, et cetera, I think there's a basic love for solving problems in that sphere that you should go in with. Like I, 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 you know, I, it's one of those things where I think it's, it's easy. I just shouldn't say easy. easy it's, that's not the right word. You know, there are times when you have to do a job because you got to do a job. 
right? That's that's and that's that's a part of life and figuring out life too. But I think in especially so in software, but probably true in, in many other spheres, um, being successful at it starts with wanting to do it almost for its own sake. Right, for free. Like, what would you do? Yeah, if you didn't exactly. Get paid? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You want you just you just want to do this thing. You want to solve these problems, right? It's just part. It's something that gives you joy in some sense um, for its own sake. Um, I think almost anything when that's the 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 starting point motivation. It doesn't mean it's the ending point motivation. Everybody's got to eat and they got to you know feed their family and all those things. All those things are incredibly important too. Um, but if your starting point motivation comes from this place of like I just I really love doing this thing, you know, um, then I think it it really sets you up really well for success. So yeah. so you know, winding that back to um, to kids. You know, and, and it's something that I think more and more now, you know, having having a young child, you know, it's really helping them find the things that touch them that way. Right. And saying that, you know, whatever it is, it's OK, because when you find it right, you're going to find a way to be successful with it. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, and we're going to be here to support you finding a way to be successful. with it. Yes. And you find that. I have to say thing. one of the best things about doing this podcast, it's been like two and a half years, Mm. I feel like I'm becoming, and it it doesn't necessarily translate to action, but I feel inspired as a mom, almost every conversation. I'm like, I need to be doing that. Because (laughs) it's true, like the kids, you know, and then figuring out your philosophy around pushing them to complete something and finish something if they don't like it. Yes, yes. Because you'll see when you're, you have a son, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, third generation, the third to be eater, <laughs> eater boy. Um, you know, if he goes out and you're like, I want you to play soccer, or I want you to play piano, or I want you to start coding, and he's like, Ugh, I'm not into it. Oh, it's like, then what? Do you just then what? Then what? But that's been the toughest part for me. Is yeah, like, and it's a fine. That's a fine. That's a fine balance. And, it, and I think you know, for me, that type of thing, you know, sort of wraps back around to, you know, you're your word about something means something, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if, if you, if you say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do X, I'm going to finish, you know, X or whatever that, that ultimately means something. And I think in, in their lives, they, you know, you want to sort of imbue this idea that, that over time, the more that you can mean what you say and do what you said based on what you meant, right? Like the, that's, that's important too. So find who you are, find the thing you love and, and really lean into that. Yeah. Independent of that thing, when you say to somebody, yeah, I'll get X done, get it done. Yeah. And and none of us are perfect in that. Right. But it's, but I think, you know, you know, the other thing is that, is that striving, right? Like the, you know, the effort, the the effort to become uh, a, a a more perfect being, if you want to call it that, right? Is is that's that's worth it in and of itself too. Oh, totally. Just right? having that you know, type so, of mindset of like yeah. improvement and growth. Yeah, and and, and I'll just, you know I didn't do it well this time. I can I can acknowledge that, and I'm going to try to do it better next time. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. And so, how has the culture of Microsoft informed kind of the way you want to lead and create a culture? at sink floor and I want to get into yeah. like even that process sure. of yeah. and, and making that decision. Yeah. Um, well, well it, certainly the, my experience at Microsoft helped give me a broad base for understanding what it means to build teams yeah. and, and lead teams. Um, and um, it also gave me a, a great foundation of uh, I'll call it lack of fear of the unknown. <laughs> right. You know, it's, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, in some sense, 
you know, um, you know, I said this once in an interview that, that, you know, my mom, I thank my mom a lot for, you know, she, she, I think gave me a very natural, she's not afraid of anything. She'll jump into all sorts of stuff. And she gave me a natural sense of like, it's okay, just try something, like go for it kind of thing. Um, and, you know, but I think that was really reinforced at Microsoft where I got to try and learn and do and fail and succeed and, you know, and lots of different kinds of stuff. So coming out and, and doing a startup and, and going on that journey, right, is, is something that I felt really, you know, I, I hadn't done it before, but I felt prepared for in the sense that I was not, you know, I wasn't shy about trying something out, mm-hmm. right, and knowing that I'm going to have to learn as I go. Yeah. kind of thing. And I think that that was, that was a really important part of my experience there that helped. Yeah. And other cultural attributes from Microsoft that are like, or even systems or, or policies or um, just ways of thinking that you think will be like, oh, kind of, this is definitely an ex-Microsoft person. Like, you know, you work, right, I, right. I work yeah. with companies where uh, this is an ex-Amazonian and, and they yeah. carry that <laughs> stuff over yeah, yeah. to yeah, the yeah. culture. Um, the, or are you trying you to know, kind of build something? Well, different? from a, let's see, from a, um, I'd say from a technical perspective, this came up recently, actually, I was having a conversation with one of our um, investors, and who's also uh, a Microsoft, uh, a high level Microsoft, in, former Microsoft engineer. Um, and, uh, you know, there's sort of a platform thinking, that's a very Microsoft thing, right? It's sort of like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to build something large and complicated. But the way I'm going to think about building it is as something that, uh, that others can build on. And even if the the other that's going to build on it is me, right, initially, like I'm going to just think that it's really hard, I think, as a senior engineer at Microsoft, not to come out of it, that experience, thinking that even if I'm going to build, let's say, an app, right, not thinking, well, first, I'm going to build the thing I'm going to build the app with, (laughs) right, And, and then it turns out that that gives you a ton of option value. Right. So even, you know, so, you know, we found ourselves at Syncor, for instance, you know, the, the, you know, we sort of built this underlying platform for building sort of access to, to uh, license access to commercial music in the independent sector. And the first thing we built was actually this marketplace that um, was targeted at traditional media, film, TV, advertising, et cetera. Um, And it turned out that we would then at some point wanted to think about, you know, um, uh, an experiment in podcasting. And we built another app on the same thing that was for, you know, for podcasters. And then ultimately where we are now is that we actually think the big idea is the, the platform thing itself and our ability to leverage that into lots of different verticals. One of the first of which right now is actually fitness and wellness. And oh, so we built some stuff related to that, right? And what we found is that having built it the way we built it is that we have all this option value. Yeah, you can be nimble, and, can that's be nimble awesome. and, and that kind of thing. And that, that, I feel like that platform of thinking is a very Microsoft thing. Yeah. And so you're working at Microsoft and you're thinking like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I better come up with an idea or you have an idea. And then you're like, Mm. I better now go build that idea. Which came first? Um, The giraffe. (laughs) (laughs) Not the chicken or the egg. (laughs) You're like, what are you talking about? No, No, so, so no, the, um, as it turned out, what happened for me was that um, in my you know sort of latter years at Microsoft, I had also been getting really connected into this artistic community in Seattle. Seattle's a, a right. wonderful the, community. The record label, the whole thing. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. I so, listened to some of the music, by the way. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll talk. That'll be a whole other conversation. Yeah. It, matches, so, it matches your background. It's like. There, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Definitely very spacey music. Yeah. Spacey, synthy kind of stuff. Not my yeah. music, anyway. Exactly. 
so so I you know I'd been you know connected into this artistic community. I was making music myself and 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 meeting people that I cared about a ton and seeing a lot of disruptive you know things happening in the music industry and particularly disruptive for the independent sector in the music industry and. Uh, wanted to figure out like how can I kind of help this and and part of my journey as I started to think about what I wanted to do next ultimately led me to leaving Microsoft to start a music label um, uh, called Brick Lane Records and so so starting this independent label gave me a chance to try to do something differently in the context of the way music labels and the relationship between labels and artists were structured um, than had been typical at that time um, and I could get into sort of what what those things were about as well but you know the the you know having having done that and having gone through that experience that's what ultimately led to this idea that we could take that um that mission and that that vision for trying to create more opportunity for independence to another level by doing what we did with sync floor by what we're doing with sync floor yeah and so so really it's sort of this kind of winding journey but i would say the red thread in that is following the things that you love and you care about and the 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 good that you want to do or see in the world in yeah. a sense, and right? so that you're like also um you know figuring out that if you're trying to solve a problem and maybe it's like oh there's this other problem also that you can be nimble and right. and interesting so i also know that you have you have a co-founder right yes and yes. so was that like a hey bad i have this idea or you came up with this together? How did you kind of also so, make sure? I know that there's a lot of co-founders who end up not being great co-founders together. What was your vetting process for that? So, so we were, uh, you know, I think incredibly lucky in that, you know, so Sejan and I met while I was at Microsoft. We mm -hmm. were, you know, working on really complex, large transactions together. I was sort of leading the sort of technical side of that. And she was outside counsel, lead outside counsel. Uh, for Microsoft on on you know building out the the contractual stuff and in fact the we we met while working on a transaction that the contract was like 120 pages or something <laughs> so it's very very complex transaction so we worked together a ton you know trying to make sure that the vision that we had technically was a, was well encoded in the in the legal language um, and we found we worked really well together and became friends and as I was leaving to do the label, I said, hey, you know, I'm going to go do this label. I'm going to need great counsel. You want to come learn this thing with me? Because I'm going to go learn an industry, essentially, that I know nothing about. And she was like, sure, why not? How hard could it be? Which, of course, is always famous last words, right? And so, so we're like, great. We learned, And we learned a lot about the industry together, especially trying to do something different um, in terms of how we were, we were structuring the label. And then so ultimately, when uh, I started talking about this idea about like, well, what if we could do this in you know, a sort of marry an understanding of technology and understanding of the music business and try to solve for this, you know, sort of access to opportunity issue that we're seeing in a particular sphere um, in terms of licensing music for these types of commercial uses. Um, you know, she was like, yeah, let, yeah let's, let's, let's go after that too. Right? How and, hard could know, it be? How hard could it be? You know, and then, you know, it's like, you know, four years later, and she's like, we're still doing this, Greg. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's maybe taking a little longer than I said it would, but you know, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So you know her from that. And so how did you guys go about funding the business? I know you mentioned investors. Yeah, um, so so initially, um, you know, our first first we, you know, just kind of worked on some of the deep technologies that's required for for what we were building. We we created a new discovery system, which was actually patented. Uh, we received the patent late November last year, I think. Um, and so um uh you know, we, we worked on that actually for the first, you know, 
couple of years, but about a year into it, we were starting to kind of go, yeah, I think this is going to work. And so, so at that point, we, we raised sort of friends and family round and as sort of the first uh, pre-seed round that we did. Um, once we kind of got to the point where we felt that that was sort of on its way towards being truly productized, we realized the next big thing that we had to do was to create a content ecosystem around what we were we're doing, um, which today, you know, we have something like 80 plus partners and 18,000 plus tracks and that kind of thing, but we had to start from scratch building this content ecosystem. And, and so at that point, we, we then raised sort of, sort of our first institutional funding from three Northwest VCs um, uh, led by Ascend by Kirby. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Winfield, and so I love Kirby. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. He's 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 on he's the the on our board, and and he's an amazing person to have uh, in your corner. Yeah. And so um so so that's that's you know sort of part. And then you know we've since done some more raises and so on. And we're actually just going into our seed raise um, right now. Exciting. So. That's awesome. And how was this past? You know, I guess I don't even know where we are in this whole pandemic ridiculousness. Yeah. The net net is it's been a shit show of a yes. last couple of years. And so <laughs> it's how, a good does, net. It's a good how, net. how does this type of pandemic, you know, some people are just like, ugh, and other people are like, no, it actually was great for our business. Like, how was it for your business and how did you it yeah. change things? Yeah, it's it, it was really interesting for us in that, you know, we we essentially launched right in the middle of all of that stuff. And so so we had to really take a step back and think about. You know, so when the first thing we launched was was this you know marketplace targeted at production professionals, producers, editors, music supervisors in in media and traditional media, film, TV, advertising, and and that um, you know if if you look at what happened with production pipelines when the pandemic sort of really struck and, and evolved, is that they softened, right? So you know the you know people had to kind of step back and say, well, we don't even know how to get people together safely, right? So that's one thing. The people who are doing advertising, we don't even know what the right messages are to to them, you know. And so, totally. so you have this kind of softening of production pipelines, which softens post production pipelines, which means that music licensing is you know something that that takes a hit there. So. So we're kind of stepping back and trying to understand how to, you know, deal with that. At the same time, you know, as you kind of spin out that story, one of the things that happened for us is that, you know, I I said, I think a little earlier that we kind of figured out that the big idea was the platform and that we could leverage that platform into lots of different verticals. As we were thinking about that whole thing, right, what we were seeing out there is that the verticals that we were looking at being potential targets were, some of them were ones that the pandemic had actually accelerated, growth in, right? So wellness and fitness, like the whole idea of digital fitness, um, whether that's, you know, subscribe to some, you know, live and on-demand boutique fitness site or getting a device delivered to your home and that that's the connected way that you get access to, again, live and on-demand fitness and and wellness, that just exploded, right? Um, The Peloton phenomenon, right? That just exploded. And and when you think about, about that, at the core of any of these things, whether you're using a device or you're using your laptop or you're using your whatever it is, right? You know, music is sort of at the core of emotional engagement in those activities, right? And, you know, we found that, you know, finding ways to license great commercial music, particularly for on-demand, like, you know, sort of recording on-demand stuff and also for live, is a fairly complex thing that's really, you know, difficult for many of these entities in that vertical. And so that opened up this, like, oh, here's something really interesting we can do. We have, like, the perfect platform to Mm. go solve this problem. You take that same thing and then you look at gaming, Right. All of a sudden you get, you know, explosion in gaming minutes because they're sitting at home, right? Like going, okay, you're like, what do you know what do I do? You'd get, you know, a similar thing happen with the the social audio phenomenon, right? You get you get 
an explosion that had already been happening, but continued to happen with people consuming podcasts and, and therefore needing to create podcasts. And you start to say, oh, you know, we could take this platform and really figure out how to take that and serve these verticals. And these verticals are actually doing really well in the context of the pandemic. Yeah. And so now is a great time to kind of lean in to that. And so the one we're leaning into first, because as a, as a startup, you can have a grand vision, which we do, and you have a, a total addressable market that's now larger because we're looking across multiple verticals. But, you know, you need to also focus on something that yes. you're going to execute And make on. sure that you can uh, get good at it, because then you that's can... Right. Exactly. And then, exactly. it's, then it's repeatable because you're like, okay, exactly. we, we already exactly. did this and now we just have to the same thing, but just rinse, repeat. But, yeah. different exactly. Industry. And so, so we yeah. decided that fitness and wellness is the one that we're, we're really leaning into. And so, so that's been that's a really fantastic. interesting journey. That's great. And so what is the exact business model? Yeah. So, so, you know, essentially what happens is that, you know, if you're, let's take the fitness case, since that's the one we're leaning into, yeah. what we do is we, we provide sort of a dedicated library that, that gives uh, a fitness business access to our corpus of great commercial independent music. Um, they, they actually get to have their instructors build, you know, playlists and curate a, almost like a DJ experience where they can, um, you know, pick a song or a set of songs and, you know, pick where to start and end the songs and speed them up and slow them down and do all sorts of stuff and then deliver that experience into their recording. And so all that's sort of part of the platform. When they purchase those, those, the licenses for those songs for recording, we just record that licensed activity. And at the end of the month, we bill the business for the licensed activity. And what we mm. bill them is the license fee plus a service charge for using the platform. Mm, right? And so that's what they pay us. And so, 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 you know, sort of, you can imagine that the first thing we get, of course, is, is that service charge that comes directly to us for providing the platform. The license fee, we pay out our underlying license you know, rights holders, um, and we pay them 90% of the license fee. So we oh, take a wow. commission on that as well. So we actually kind of get to, to sort of eat on both sides, right? But the way we look at it is that we're able to have a reasonable charge for both the licensee and the licensor, right? Um, because we're sort of split fee. It's a split fee structure. Yeah. So, you know, we, we still get a great, you know, sort of take rate, but nobody feels overburdened. By right. It. And you're not putting yourself in a position to be like the man taking from the artist or taking <laughs> right, from. Right. Yeah. And so these, right. Yeah. These rights holders, they, the deal we give them, so that 10% that we take is the lowest, like they, they're always like, oh, wow, that's a great deal. Yes. We've never seen anything in the, the industry. Yeah. in the industry. Right. And so, so that's great that we can do that. And they're super happy. And then when we go to a, a, a licensee and we say, okay, well, here's the, here's the cost of the licenses. And we charge you, you know, this 10% service charge mm-hmm. using the platform. When they look at the value we provide them in the platform from discovery to curation to delivery of the you know the the music into their experience, et cetera, they're like, wow, that's that's a great deal. Yeah, yeah, right? that's great. And, and so so yeah, you make everybody happy that way. And so you're raising the seed round. How much do you do you mind saying how much you're raising and what you're planning? No, we're, on? we're looking to raise three million. Three million. Um, and so what are you to, planning to, to do? Is that to to build out more product? Yeah, product, yeah. Hire more product. Yep, yep. So so you know, um, on the product side, we're, you know, engineering hires, product management hires, that type of thing to continue to build out this platform and in particular take, you know, a, do the additional features we think are relevant to fitness, but importantly, keep building the platform. So as we get ready to do exactly what you say is that, you know, great, we got fitness locked up. Now we're going to go to gaming. Yeah. Now we're going to go to like, you know, sort of be able to have a platform yeah. that's continues to be nimble for that. Um, so that's sort of an engineering side. Um uh, on the music intake side, we want to continue to, to develop our content and partner ecosystem. We have something like 84 partners now, um, and we're continuing to grow that, which means managing a large partner base and also bringing in 
lots of music, which includes, um, you know, a music analyst team that we have because we have sort of algorithmic analysis and human analysis coming together wow. to give us the richest possible information about music. And so, so sort of continue to build that out. And then, of course, building out our GTM process. So um, business and partner and, and, and sales uh, development. And there, you know, the, the big thing is to, is to find, you know, and build a team that can, you know, sort of take a platform think about distribution and go to market in a particular vertical and figure out how to then, you know, take the best learnings from that and apply it to a new vertical and apply it to a new vertical. And so those, and, so those and are the things. Scale it. Wow. What do, you, what do you hope the takeaway will be for anybody that's listening mm -hmm. about sync floor and how can they be helpful to helping you reach your goals? If somebody's like, Oh my gosh, I need to know about this company and this is how I can help. Like where, what are your needs right now? So, I, so you know, I, you know, as as a young company, you know, we're still kind of getting the word out about our brand and who we mm -hmm. are, so that we get that's you know, you know, in some sense, serendipity, right? Of people kind of going, oh wow, I've I've got the the, yeah. the connection for you. So, so you know, telling telling people about us is great. Get you know, coming and talking to us is great because one of the things that I found on this journey is that you know we've benefited so much from perspective from people, right, in the industry, um, you know, and, and that that's only broadening because as we take a platform that's going to go address a number of different fairly disparate verticals, right, we almost have a need now to, to talk to more people and get a better understanding of how to best package and distribute within any particular vertical. Yeah. And so perspective is something that we crave. And so, so I, I'm, I'm here. I'm an open, mm -hmm. open door. Please come talk to me. I'd love to hear from right. you. I already gave Kirby a couple of people I thought you should talk to before, before awesome. I met you. Okay, so you're clearly busy. You're working your tail off. And mm. you've got a young boy at home. And you've got the energy for it. So you're good. <laughs> uh, he challenges even that. But, like, oh, yeah. but yeah, it, it, that's that's definitely a part of it that I um, I learned you know, as a first-time yeah. parent. That there, there's a whole other scale of energy that you need. How did you meet your wife? Oh, so Anna and I, so, um, do you know a place called Revolver in Seattle? Their reason, their big thing is that they, um, the bartenders would play uh, vinyl records, like, you oh. know, sort of like, so they'd be sort of partly DJing sort of while they're kind of doing stuff, right? Uh, I had been in the practice of taking records from artists on the label to Revolver to, you know, just kind of like, oh, hey, you know, we put a new record out. Get if you them want to put some it exposure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and just but more just say, hey, we, you know, there's like a cool place, you know, I'll, you can put this in your library and stuff, play it, that kind of thing. So um, when my record came out, my, my, my first solo record uh, came out, I took my record down there and I didn't even tell them. I was just like, oh, we got another new record, blah, blah, blah. It happened to be my record. And they're like, oh, this is you, you know, kind of thing. So, so they put that record on. Uh, and I was there at the the thing, trying hard not to to be bothered by you know sort of random people like me. But um, we ended up striking up a conversation there. And I remember she she thought at first because she was like, "Oh, okay, you're from the Caribbean, blah blah." And I was like, "Yeah." And they're putting on the record, and um, so she was like expecting you know you know calypso or, <laughs> yeah. and it, you know the music I do is like this like super like gothy synthy yeah. like you know it does not match nails, you. Depeche Mode. It does not match <laughs> you. So she was just like, "What all. is this stuff?" <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And so. That that's that, but that's that's kind of how we met. Oh, that's great. So what are you doing these days to kind of unwind and chill out? It's a lot of family stuff. Like um the you know, so so part of you know talking about energy, um, when Athanasius was born, 
he had uh, two holes and one valve, two holes oh, in his heart and one wow. valve instead of two. And so, um, which is a difficult time. And, but, you know, uh, at four months he had open heart surgery. Oh my um, gosh. And, and so, and so now he has no holes and two valves. So that's great. Um, he, they didn't have enough tissue to completely close one of the, the, the valves. So, so there's like an issue there and we continue to give him meds and that kind of thing. Um, but he's doing super well. So let me, you know, say that, you know, or out front, he's 90th plus percentile weight and height. He's a terror <laughs> in, in all the best ways, right? Um, and so, you know, this summer, we've we sort of declared the summer of Thanos, because we, we, Athanasius, we call him Thanos for short. And um, and so we, we've been doing all these, like, kind of staycation, like, rent things on lakes and just, just let him have, like, the most amazing who knows if you'll remember 16 months but we're like we're you know you had such a hard summer last summer we're going to give you the best summer ever i'm so glad he's doing well and so and so given how busy you are like what are you trying to do to i'm like that sunday night anxiety night of like i got a big week ahead of me how do, <laughs> how do you set yourself up for a really good week and you know uh, uh, yeah. honestly like the you know as you you probably remember uh the you know, with a baby at that age, like it doesn't really even feel like there's a Sunday to Monday versus Sunday <laughs> Monday because you're you're in you're in such a routine, right? Like, and especially as it relates to kind of you know heading towards bedtime kind of thing, and you know bath and blah blah and, and getting him down, and you know you know I'll often be you know put him down and that kind of thing too. And so so you know it's it's sort of like you go 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 go, and then he's asleep, and then you're like, okay, all right, let me take a take a breath yeah and figure out like okay how do we how do we even talk together and then okay what do i gotta do next and so it feels like that's just a continuous thing which is probably not good like ultimately you got to find ways to like oh, yeah. sort of step back but right now i feel like it's just like you just you go like you know he wakes us up like you know kids at that age they don't care what happened the night before like you if you slept one hour or you slept you know five hours yeah. doesn't matter he's, like, at yeah. he's, like, yeah. he's like here i am <laughs> you know read this to me please or you know here's my truck or i want to jump on the bed or <laughs> that's so cute. But, well, certainly at least the part of like i'm up come change me <laughs> yeah yeah so that would be the ultimate invention just like a, a baby changer it's just a like automatic it's like let me sleep while the diaper gets changed um my final question for you is what fuels you what's your ultimate fuel i'd I'd put it in two two parts i i still love this thing i still love you know building things and making things and 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 solving problems in that sense you know you know i think one of the nice things about being in a startup is that you know certainly at the stage that we're at you get this super direct you know, time spent with customers. And like, in our case, the customers are now like, I never would never have thought that I'd be spending a bunch of time with, you know, trainers and, you know, trying to make sure that we, we build the thing that they, they love. Um, but that's, that's, that's such a great joy making something and people using it and them going, wow, this is transformative and, and continue to refine that. So that's a big part of it. And then the other part is, uh, is really about people. I, you know, I'm, I'm from Trinidad. You probably can tell that I love people and I love working in teams to make things because you get to interact with people a lot and yeah. and you know i've had the the good fortune to have that happen in the context of both technology and music which are two things that i'm super passionate about and i've gotten to put those things together in the thing that i'm doing now and so i get you know to interact with lots of great smart emotionally wonderful creative people in all sorts of spheres and figure out how to transform you know day-to-day existence 
Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.